What's up? Why are you so quiet? Back at it again. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we were going to put some groovy music since we're talking about the 70s today. That that requires a lot of uh, extra money in the, with the musical department. Oh, yeah? <laughs> did, did you have a disco phase? Yeah, I did have you a did. disco phase. Bell bottoms, you know? Disco phase for 15 minutes. We yeah. should have put a disco ball in here. Right? Yeah, for real? Well, who's to say they can't see it? <laughs> they can't see the pants of the platform shoes. Oh, man. So we're getting right into it. We're continuing our series of comic books through the decades. Yeah. We've now hit the 1970s. The Bronze Age. It's going to be a good one. For Marvel again. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> this is... Uh, Obviously, we know all this stuff, but it's just interesting to see when things came out and the order that they came out in. Mm -hmm. So, like, villains, you know, did DC bring it out first or did Marvel, you know, what the situation was. So, it's pretty interesting. And I think off the precipice of the news today, we should start out with Hulk 181. Oh, they're going to say Deadpool. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's in the 90s segment. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's the that's that's pretty much the big boy of the of the decade, right? It is the, the, the hotly debated one too when it comes to first appearances. True, whether it's one eighty or one eighty one. But yeah, no, he's the that's the that's the big boy character that uh, that that has just gained so much momentum and so much popularity during you know through the through the eighties, nineties, and I mean now, now more than ever. Yeah, I will say the other big boy was Punisher, though. Yeah, yeah, because Punisher, I mean, he's. He's up there in his own right. He is, but popularity-wise and just the way the character's used, because, you know, the, the the Punisher comes with baggage. Yeah. The he Punisher comes, with a, comes baggage, with a lot of baggage. Wolverine doesn't. Yeah. And aside from the fact that, you know, you've had Hugh Jackman play the character, which it's, what, almost 20 years now? It's going to be now 24 years? Probably. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Time, no, yeah. he's coming out in Deadpool 3. True. So, so I mean, the the... Wolverine has had a face in pop culture for the last 24 years. Yeah, and he's been more accepted like in X-Men, the animated series. He's always been a fixture. Yeah. They had uh, Wolverine and the X-Men from the 2000s, the cartoon that came out on Cartoon Network. So, yeah, he is more, ironically, he's more family-friendly than Punisher. True. Oh, of course. Right. Yeah. So He's had his heroic moments. And for everyone out there, you know, since we're referencing Deadpool so much, Guys, the, the night of this recording, you know, the big news from, from Ryan Reynolds dropped that he was doing Deadpool 3 with Hugh Jackman. So everyone here is excited. And Hugh Jackman was just so nonchalant about it. <laughs> He's like, yeah, okay. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah. You know what's cool about Hugh Jackman, though, that he knows that Wolverine was the character that made his career. Absolutely. And he runs with it. And he, like, he... he uses that and just always promotes it. like he is wolverine well, he appreciates it he appreciates yeah. and he respects it he yes. respects the character and he knows that without wolverine he probably wouldn't be in the position he is right now yeah absolutely like before that i think he was doing in australia like disney plays right like there's an old picture of him as gaston right you know oh he was guest yeah the, du- <laughs> the duke can sing so i can see it yeah the duke can sing but yeah he would have never reached that level of stardom right all right so then sticking with the x-men though we also got Giant Size X-Men. That was a big book. They're, they're huge, huge first book. appearances in there. Storm, Colossus, Nightcrawler, and Thunderbird. And Thunderbird. And then that's Wolverine's full second appearance. 
How is that the full second it's appearance? It's like the fourth time you see him. 182 came out right after 181. You have 180. You have a compa- last panel of, of 180. He's in 181, and he's in like the first page of 182. Yeah. So and then he comes out in Giant Size X. Yeah, but they consider Giant Size his first. His second, second. They were like six, six months apart. Yeah. But yeah. they consider that his. his who's this day? Day is uh, the, the CGC, the 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 yeah. graders out no, there. No, what are they called? The the, the prominent members. The prominent yeah. members. There you go. That's a good one. But yeah, no, X, Giant Size X Men. That's 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 up there in 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 X Men lore. Yeah. I mean, and regardless, that's when he joins the X Men. And that's the team that you see in X Men the animated series for all intents and purposes. Yeah, you see Storm, Nightcrawler, Wolverine, right. Colossus. You see everybody but like, Thunderbird. Poor guy. Yeah. If he dies, like <laughs> poor. He dies like fairly recently after coming out. Yeah, his brother was it is uh, the one that lasted longer. Right. Warbird. 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 Yeah. yeah. The funny thing is, this was the last like big book where multiple first appearances came out that have stuck through time. Yeah. Because the sixties, we we had just talked about it. Each book had like five first appearances. Yeah, that's pretty tons, insane. Tons of of new characters coming out. So, and with the introduction of new people, we also get the deaths. We get the death of Gwen Stacy and the death of Green Goblin. Yeah, those are yeah. those are iconic that's stories. That's what that seventy. That's uh, a one. Uh, Amazing Spider Man one twenty one and one twenty two. Yeah, two classic covers. Some say that that's kind of like the defining, like the beginning of the Bronze Age because it deals with those deaths. But we, you know, we all know that the unofficial. Well, I can see official one. The, where it starts to delineate into the Bronze Age was um, Green Lantern. And Green Arrow, yeah, that's the definitive. Yeah, that's there, the right? start. That's, that's of the like that, that's like the starter. But you saw like the seventies gives you that trend of things getting a little darker, a little more more real. Yeah, but we have so little to talk about for DC. Let's leave that for the DC. <laughs> well, no, but I'm, I'm just saying like to start off because that's that's what kicks off the Bronze Age. Yeah, it's the Green Lantern. It's Green Lantern seventy six, which becomes Green Lantern Green, Green Arrow. Arrow. Yeah, they 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 put in Green Arrow and they give it like that. Um, Real world problems right. like you know you have Green Lantern doubting himself, you have Green Arrow talking about poverty and racism and all that stuff. So it's it starts to bring like real world problems into the into the comics in the seventies. But this is where it starts to get in because X Men becomes big now in the seventies. The resurgence and a lot of it has to do with you know the X Men are seen as like the allegory for minorities, mm. you know, in the world. In the so country. just going off that, we have Green Lantern eighty five and eighty six. Mm-hmm. Classic Neil Adams cover where Speedy is doing heroin on the cover. Shooting oh, yes. up, yeah. yeah. He's shooting up. So with that was also followed with um, Amazing Spider-Man 97 through 99, which was when Harry Osborn was doing cocaine. Yeah. And that was before. I like how like, here you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that, was, that came out before the Green Arrow. Both part. in 1971. Right. But do you know why that even came about? No, I do not. So... The U.S. Department of Health comes up to Stan Lee and is like, "Hey, can you write a story, you know, to to showcase that, you know, how you know the effects of drugs?" So Stan Lee does it, gives it to the comic book authority. They won't sign off on it because you know you can't reference drugs. He prints it anyways, and it does so well that the comic book code has to get revised so that those kind of stories can be can, can be implemented. You can talk about drugs as long as. You see, like the adverse effects. Like There's it, a positive. It can't to it, right? be, yeah. It, it can't be like, a, hey, it's okay to do drug kids. Right. Do whatever you want. So, it's, so, it's, so it's interesting because that happens. Harry Osborn's doing cocaine, so then DC comes in and wants to up Marvel and give Speedy's heroin. Yeah. <laughs> I think there was probably plans. 
to have them come out because they came out within the same year and they can't do everything in such a short time frame. I think it was Marvel and DC behind the scenes teaming up to say, let's get rid of this comic quote authority, which is kind of hindering our storytelling ability mm-hmm. and let's get them out of the way. So let's each come up with a story that goes against it to be able to at least make it a little bit more lenient for us to write stories. Oh, for sure. At, at the very least to try to get them to revise it, which is what happens that that gets revised so not not only do they get that, the introduction of horror elements come back into comics because of that. So, so you the get code, the, yeah, get so Dracula, it's right? so they can do vampires, they can do zombies, they can do Werewolves. not not to the extent that it was you know during the EC era, right. but they're able to talk about these things again. So you couldn't put you still couldn't do the decapitated heads on the covers, Correct. but now you can talk about because before you couldn't use zombies, you couldn't use Dracula, you couldn't use vampires. So now you can bring in those elements of characters into the storytelling. Right, those supernatural elements are now now and start going into the, the ultimate slab in the face is a hero with a skull on fire. You have Ghost Rider. Ghost it's Rider. because of that. Because mm-hmm. of that revision, you get Ghost Rider. You get Marvel Swamp Spotlight Day. number five, guys. Yeah. First appearance of Johnny Blaze, Ghost Rider. You're able to get Dracula time. in Marvel. That's why you get two more Dracula issue one. Yeah. yeah. Which later on goes into Blade. Which later gives us issue 10, gives us the first appearance of Blade. We have Werewolf by Night also. Mm-hmm. Just a little, you're using werewolves. And then 32, we get the introduction of Moon Knight. Which Werewolf by Night, as we know, we're getting that special on Disney+. Plus. In... A week and a half. Yeah. Nice. Coming up soon. It's great. I can't wait. <clears throat> it, they changed the description from comedy to horror. And nice. everybody that's seen the early screeners rave about it. Nice. Yeah. It's great. They're all saying it's pretty violent. And, you know, the fact that it's black and white probably help it stay at, in the PG-13 right. range. Makes sense, right? <laughs> then with that, we also have a bunch of characters that showed up in their own, in different titles, which you wouldn't expect. Ironically, Iron Man 55 had Thanos and Drax. But um, we also had Darkseid show up in Superman, Jimmy Olsen's pal. Of course, because where else would he come out? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but the funny thing is, Darkseid comes out in 1970. Thanos comes out in 1972. Iron Fist, which comes out. Marvel Premiere 15, yes. And then uh, Sabretooth that comes out in Iron Fist 14. But then you, when you think of Iron Fist, you always think of Luke Cage. Luke Cage. And that's how you end up with uh, Heroes for Hire issue 1, June 1972. Luke Cage becomes the first African American superhero in his own title. In his own title, which is a big deal. Which we know Huge we've deal. had more African American superheroes prior to that, but not in their own title. Correct. Right. No, so. the seventies were a, a big year when it comes to like, like the non-white characters, like black characters, minority characters. They shoot up. You have Storm. You know, you got Blade, you got Monica Rambeau in the Avengers, which you're going to see in the Marvels. You get Misty Knight, Shang Chi, which became a huge hit. You know, last year. Cyborg from Teen Titans. Yeah. You know, you're Black Lightning. You got Vixen. You got, there's there's Bronze Tiger. John Stewart. There you go. Those are DC characters. Right I mean, there. honestly, there's also, I feel the resurgence of, um, or not the resurgence, the actual upbringing of women superheroes. We have uh, Black Cat. We have Elektra. We have Power Girl. Like, these are women that, they know they're women. They're not downplaying it. Like, this is who we are. Kitty Pride. Kitty Pride also. Mm-hmm. Ju- no, Jubilino. No, 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 Jubilee. She's in the 90s. Yeah. Emma Frost, also. Right. Like women that use their sexuality to get things done. Right. Which is interesting. Um, you also have some great storylines. You have yeah. the X-Men, the Phoenix Saga. Yeah. The Hellfire Club. Like you have a lot of these stories that have transcended time and have been adapted in cartoons and movies and will continue to be adapted in cartoons and movies. And you know what's even crazier? You have all the stories, right? But right before Giant Size X-Men, the X-Men had been canceled. 
Yeah. They had them in selling well. So for a bunch of issues, it was just reprints. Reprints, yeah. And it wasn't until Giant Size X-Men were like, hey, we could do something here. And they introduced new characters, and then it explodes, and the X-Men take off right into the 90s. I mean, they don't stop. No, no, I don't know. You were going you to take just, off. I know, you, you just started off. staring at me. No, yeah, it's, it's, it's true. <laughs> the, the X-Men was a dying title. It was a dying title, so they just started reprinting old stories until Giant Size came out. And then Giant, Giant Size just reintroduced them to the public, and they just, like you said, took off. Which is ironic that we would consider X-Men around this time. To be a dying title. I mean, all titles go through it, though, right? They go, yeah. Yeah, they they go, go through lulls, they yeah. go through ups and downs. A lot of it had to do with Marvel not promoting X-Men as much. You know, they had that whole feud with, with Fox with the movies. So they they put kind of X-Men on the, the comic book-wise, put it on the back burner, and they pumped up Avengers. Mm-hmm. I mean, crazy stuff was in the 2000s when Marvel was doing their movies. Avengers titles were everywhere. Yeah. I mean, they had the biggest story arcs. X-Men was nothing random story arcs there wasn't really an ongoing after the uh disney buys fox over the last couple of years marvel's been churning on x-men books i mean they've completely revamped the whole like x-men world and also the creative team that were that were handling the characters in the late 60s and into the 70s you know once you got the once you get once you get those creative teams in there that breathe life into Dude, yeah, the actual yeah. titles and the characters, then that's what resonates with the public. You had Chris Claremont touching every X Men book for almost twenty years. Yeah, yep. that's impressive. Yeah, that's crazy. So, I mean, just as long as, uh, or longer than Spawn at this point, and Eric Larson with uh, Savage Dragon, right? I don't know about that. Probably, talk but about, talk about titles though. Oh, titles. Spawn is the longest running independent title, and then Savage Dragon is the longest running with Eric Larson with one person at the helm. Yeah, but it's the second. It's it's right behind Spawn and longest running independent titles. Because I think yeah, I think no, Eric Larson I think came in and out a couple of times. Oh, he did. Okay. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. 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 But I mean, so. if, we're, if we're talking longest running series in the seventies, you had the rise of comic book shops, so publishers started going printing to them, not to newsstands. So right. you had the higher priced books, that led to smaller publishers being able to come in and print books. Right. From there, we get Cerebus. It's your little boy. Cerebus the Aardvark. Cerebus the Aardvark. <laughs> what's, what's, what's interesting about that book is that as soon as Cerebus comes out, almost immediately, the counterfeit copies come out. So the story goes that a flea market in some, somewhere in Southern California, all of a sudden started selling Cerebus the Aardvark number one. And these comic shops were just getting flooded with all of these books. All of a sudden, you know, like people wanted to sell the book and sell the book and like, oh, where are these things coming from? So they ended up tracing it back to somebody that was doing them, like reproducing the 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 the, the, the book. Just Xeroxing a bunch of copies. Pretty much, yeah. He was it's 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 a counterfeit copy. And nowadays those counterfeit copies are actually sought after because they were so well done. Wow. Yeah. And it's very, very difficult to tell them apart. You can do it visually, but if you ever run into one, like do your homework, do your research because it's not as easy as like looking for a certain thing. You have to know what you're looking at. Impressive. I know that some of those copies are very pricey. Yeah, just as pricey as the original. Yeah, because I think it was it was the the print run for the original was what like three thousand. It wasn't much. That's not a lot. Yeah, it wasn't much. Maybe even less. But then all of a sudden, all these bootleg copies started hitting the market. Everybody's like, "Where are these things coming from?" <laughs> and I, it, from what from what the story I read, it originated in a flea market. That's I mean, funny. Would you really do a huge print run on Cerebus the Aardvark? <laughs> you know, like it had to be something in you know in between themselves, like yeah. artists, you know, writers, yeah, you know, artists that did maybe got screwed over. I mean, you don't know, you don't know yeah. what the story is behind there, but yeah, that's that's how it happened. It's also funny. That's the longest running limited series. It had three hundred issues. Yeah. 
That sounds like an ongoing title. (laughs) (laughs) And then we have uh, Paul's Boy that came out in the 70s also. Swamp Thing. There it is. Swamp Thing. Swamp Thing. And it's funny because at one point, and this is not too long ago, maybe less than 10 years ago, a Swamp Thing number or House of Secrets 92, 9.8, was outselling a Hulk 181. Yeah. That, I ain't gonna have it for a while again. That book would bring in more money, significantly more money than a Hulk one eighty one. Yeah, it's not gonna happen ever again. But ten years ago, less than ten years ago, it, it was. Guys, don't lose your asses on buying Hulk one eighty one right now. Don't lose your asses. Yeah, they're expensive to begin with, yep. but with the announcement of Deadpool three with Hugh Jackman, they're gonna go through the roof. And he's already come out. He came out in two thousand. There's yeah. no reason this movie appearance should make his book go anymore. Yeah, it's just recency bias, man. People freak out. Oh my god, he's coming back. And he's in the MCU now, right? Yeah. yeah. So that's a big deal. But yeah, I mean, just wait. You, you can find it. You can find it for. Uh, I wonder what's gonna happen to X Men one now. Because X Men one was on a dip. Yeah, I think it stays a dip because it's still that's not going to be the Wolverine that that joins the X Men. It's probably gonna you're probably gonna have some multiverse True. thing going on here. True, yeah. and you have the I mean, if Wolverine is in it and Deadpool's in it, that means you got mutants, and then they already confirmed that Submariner is a mutant, and you've already had Miss Marvel as a mutant, and now. you had Professor X also, and you, you had, had Professor you X. have mutants. You've already had the multiverse, right. so it's easier for them to just pop in and out now. X-Men 1 might just kind of like level off for a little bit until it drops off again. Just, just stay stay dipping until I can pick it up. <laughs> just stay there. Never going to get it. <laughs> so. Listen, let's not, let's not, you know, stop, you know, miss out on some of the love for Man-Thing, which came out two months before Swamp Thing. Yeah. In, in Savage Tales issue one. And my boy's coming out in Werewolf by Night on Disney Plus, what, like a week and a half from yeah, the day we're recording. So it's funny because... If it came out within two months, that means they were already working on each of them. Yeah. yeah. So it's just well, ironic it's, that, and the, they're, they're both yeah. based off of like a 1940s character. Yeah. yeah. But it's just ironic that they both have the idea at the same time. But oh, it's, but it's but the same writer. You know, no, it's not the same writer. The second appearance of Man Thing was written by Len Wein, which was the creator of Swamp Thing. Right. That which came out before Swamp Thing's like second appearance. In Swamp Thing's second appearance, his backstory was changed so it's very similar to man things now right. which is kind of funny they had they had slightly different different origins and then when they retold swamp things origin they almost made it exactly the same as man things and len wine was also credited with i don't know who wolverine yes he was i thought you were going somewhere else with this. no no, no, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. that's why i was like is he gonna say wolverine or something saying, it's it's, it's the, the those creative teams they came out with so many characters and so many stories that oh, and, just, and this was the time where they were able to hop back and forth yeah right? they were hopping back and forth right which now that's unheard of no it'll never happen again right? <laughs> no now, they're like, well, now, you, to, now you're contractually obligated to, <laughs> to stick with one harder. company yeah, now yeah and now you're like uh your stormbreaker artist or yeah. you know yeah. your exclusive writer speaking of hopping around this is also when we got the marvel dc crossovers that's when they started in the 70s they did they actually started with uh treasury comics yeah. mm-hmm. so treasury comics for those of you guys that don't know i'm a huge fan of them they're the giant oversized uh comic books they're rough they were roughly around two dollars when they came out and DC started them with Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. It, I'm a big fan of the Treasury comics. but I've seen them. I, I picked up the first Treasury comic that was produced at um, Daytona Beach Comic Con when we went a couple of weeks ago. And it's funny. I was talking to Tom, and he was there at the booth with us. He's like, that's a book you don't see too often. 
I've never and, seen it. And sure enough, like you don't see it. You see you see two and three, but you don't see number one because since it was the first issue, it was like a tryout right. to see what was going to happen. So that was in 1972. Then 1974, we have Marvel coming out with uh, Treasury Comics, and they started with Spider-Man at the time, which later led into the uh, Superman versus Spider-Man title, mm-hmm. right. the white cover. And then it continued all the way through the 80s where we had Hulk versus Batman, Superman versus Spider-Man. DC almost killed themselves <laughs> towards the end of the 70s. How they're, so? Their DC explosion. Like They, they wanted to uh, increase the page count of their books. They raised the price to 50 cents. It tanked. It the the idea did not work. It got so bad that Disney, uh, Disney, DC cancels over half of their titles just to try to stay alive. And it's called you know they call it the DC implosion. And because of that, that's when Marvel takes fifty percent of the market. Wow! Like the sixties and seventies, Marvel just so who else was there? If they say Marvel takes fifty percent of the market, like remember that there was just like uh, Gold Key was still around because they were doing like the the Disney books, but they were like you know. Their share is like nothing. Mm-hmm. They're selling kids' books. The the independent publishers are starting to come up now because of the rise of comic book shops. You can now sell there, yeah. and they couldn't return books. So once a once a, a comic book, a shop bought books, they couldn't return them. So that helped smaller publishers. They didn't have to deal with the cost of of getting these books back. Yes, because the newsstand they were able to return exactly. them exactly, and that's why the comic shops they would get a better deal front. But that's it. They were done. Right. Like, so what would happen is since they couldn't return them back, they would send them off to newsstands. Right. That, that's how Makes newsstands sense. got would get their extra copies. Nice. Any unsold inventory of comic book shops would go to newsstands. Yeah. Or they'd sell them to them. We also had um, a couple of uh, movie adaptations. We had a Star Wars one. Yes. Come Star out Wars in the 70s movie, yeah. correct? Yeah. That was a big deal. And that was at the request of Roy Thomas. He wanted Marvel to, to do a... a Star Wars. Well, July 1979, DC prints World of Krypton, which gives us the first comic book miniseries. And we know that those things, those things take off. All right. But that's that's the first comic book miniseries we get is July 1979. And I've never read it. I didn't even know it was around. <laughs> <laughs> you never read what? World of World Krypton? World of Krypton. I never heard of it. But that's why I found that interesting because, you know, miniseries are such a huge thing when, it, you know, when we started collecting right. Yeah, yeah. All of this stuff, all this stuff had its origin, but the seventies, yeah, it's like you said, Marvel just kind of just kept the baton going from the sixties and just ran into the seventies and just mm-hmm. created a completely new world for some of their titles. Well, we yeah. also get artists. That's where artists now get the ability to make money off their work. Um, they're allowed to keep uh, pencilers in the seventies. They're they get their new deals, so they're getting more credit from the publishers now on characters that they create, and they're also sell. They're also allowed to keep their original art so they can sell it. Which was a huge movement because that was yeah. that was one of the things that the, the the publishers always were adamant about was keeping the original art. So now by the artist being able to keep that art, it makes it more readily available to the public. And now the artist can capitalize on that money, which at the time, original art meant nothing. It wasn't until like the last 10 years that the original art market just completely blew out of proportion and just exploded. We had mentioned it before in, in, in the Neil Adams podcast where he was responsible for him and Jerry Robinson and... and Bernie Wrights and they they helped put that fund together when they found out that Jerry Siegel and, Ju- and Joe Schuster were living in poverty. Yeah. That's when they started saying, hey, how can these guys that created Superman be living in squalor? Which wasn't the first Superman movie come out in the 70s? Yes, it did. Christopher Reeves. Christopher Reeves Superman came out You'll in the 70s. believe a man can fly. Yeah. Which was, I think it was Superman 2 that they actually got credit for it. If it wasn't Superman 1, it was Superman 2 that they actually got credit for it on screen. 
which was a huge event. I think they were, I forgot if both of them, I think they were both able to attend the premiere of that movie. Nice. Mm. And no, that, I was going to say, that led to smaller publishers getting those better deals for artists, right. which is why those, those, those indie ones, the, the creators get to keep the copyright for those characters. Which eventually is what how image forms. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is why you see a Batman movie still says, you know, inspired by or created by Bob Kane. Oh, created. Yeah. Well, created, and now it's Bill Finger. Yeah. Which finally, after almost, you know, 70 years, they were able to put his name on there because he co-created Batman. Yeah, yeah. Yo, they put some respect on it. Right. What'd they put? Put some respect on it. <laughs> so, guys... uh <laughs> This was the 70s. Let us know what books we might have missed. We could continue these series for hour-long podcasts, but, you know. But we won't. It, yeah, exactly. <laughs> we won't. It's, we try to give you the highlights. So let us know what we missed, and until next time. Guys, thanks for watching the video. If you like it, appease the algorithm gods. Hit the like bell. Hit the like button. Leave a comment. Subscribe. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok, and any other social media platform. Thanks for watching.